In today's episode, we open our Bibles back to the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 27 or so, through the end of chapter 12. When a prophecy of dire famine looms, the unity and compassion of the Antioch community will be put to the test, while the early church is faced with, well, a cruel wave of persecution led by King Herod himself. Peter, one of the pillars of the burgeoning faith, finds himself shackled and imprisoned and cast into the very jaws of danger, and as he awaits his grim fate, the prayers of the church rise as one, a ceaseless plea to the heavens, and Peter is miraculously delivered from his chains by an angel of the Lord. Good morning and blessed Pentecost. Today is Tuesday, August 8th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures to which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. I'm so grateful for listeners like you whose prayers and contributions support KFEO's radio ministry. Many thanks to God also for our sponsor, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, whose work of translating and publishing and distributing Christ-centered materials around the world helps spread the gospel of Jesus. You can learn more about the Lutheran Heritage Foundation at lhfmissions.org. But this morning, our guest is returning to us, as he often does at least once a month. It's the Reverend John Lukomsky, pastor emeritus and co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, also on KFUO Radio. Good morning, Pastor Lukomsky. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Pastor Boo. Uh, unfortunately, I'm no longer up north where you have the pleasant, cool weather I have come down to St. Louis for a couple of weeks for doctor's appointments, and yeah, it's it's stinking hot down here, which of are, course are you, anyone who lives in the Midwest know. <laughs> are you coming to us from the uh, the studio? No, no. Oh, I, I wish I was. No, I'm actually, I've got the, an office upstairs in my house, and so that's where I'm oh. coming through today. Yeah. Well, you sound good. You're coming in loud and clear. That's why I was asking, so... Well, good. Well, I'm, you know, I, I know you're down in St. Louis now, and it's uh, nice and warm. It's been warm up here in Minnesota, too, though. Probably <laughs> oh, yeah, not as bad yeah. as you guys. <laughs> well, today's text, um, we're kind of starting in a weird place. Uh, I, I just sort of the last paragraph before chapter 12, I'm wanting to include in our discussion today. Uh, but before we get into any of it and talk a little bit about where we were yesterday, uh, why don't we start our time together with prayer? Oh, Lord, we uh, we always thank you for the opportunity to hear your word of God. And and uh, particularly, we thank you for this particular passage, because it's just filled with all kinds of comforting things for everyone who's listening to us at this moment, who is experiencing trials and struggles. So we, we pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to hear these words and be reminded about the fact of what we need to do in trials and struggles, but also be reminded of the fact that you are the one who delivers us. Uh, uh, in fact, when we take refuge in you, we will be blessed. So, so for the strengthening of our faith, oh Lord, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, when we were last gathered with our heroes, they were in Antioch, and the section before uh, today's lesson ends with, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And that's where I ended the program yesterday. Uh, anything you want the people to know before we get into the very next verse, which is 27? Okay, well, I t tell you what, uh, what I'd like to do, and this, this comes uh, either as happy coincidence or by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
take take your pick. <laughs> uh, but Matt and I have been spending our summer on wrestling with the basics, uh, dealing with the Psalms. And it just so happens <laughs> that we have a Psalm that is actually fulfilled in, in the verses we're going to be reading today. Uh, so if I could just reference that real quickly and then sure, let, let's get into the text. Um, uh, Psalm 2 is the one we discussed just a few weeks ago. And, and there, I can't read the whole psalm, but just three verses from that psalm. Uh, number one, why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So in, in our verses today, we're going to hear an example of that again, of where the nations are raging and putting themselves against uh, Jesus. Uh, there is, of course, uh, the following verse where it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. And we're going to see that in our text today, too, about the Lord. Just He must just chuckle at King Herod and the efforts King Herod uh, makes to try to oppose Christianity. So we'll see the Lord laughing at King Herod. And then I think this is the one, because uh, you've already had fulfillment of this psalm before. In fact, earlier in, in uh, Acts, uh, the, the, the apostles actually quoted uh, this psalm, too. But you haven't seen this fulfilled yet, but we're going to see it today. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. So we're also going to see that fulfilled, the, the wrath and the, the quickness and the perishing. Although I, I do want to end with the final verse of that psalm, which is, Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Because you're going to see that in our story today, too. So again, Pastor Boo, I didn't plan that. It just happened we were talking about it. I thought, oh, well, that fits in exactly with what uh, the story is we're reading today. So thank you for letting me share that. Well, looking forward to that then. Um, I'm just going to read the rest of chapter 11 to uh, start us off, 27 through 30. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them was named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, uh, just finishing up the text from yesterday, uh, so prophets came down from Jerusalem, prophets plural, one of them, Agabus, uh, I'm a little confused, Pastor, I thought that uh, prophets ended with John the baptizer. Well, okay, so the, the word prophet here simply again means one who speaks the word of God. We're, we're not necessarily talking about someone who can predict the future, although there is that kind of prophecy going on in the book of Acts too, uh, because he's foretelling that there will be a great famine in the world. So no, whenever the Spirit moves someone to speak the word of God, I, they, they could be called prophets. So really uh, a technical term that's been uh, reduced to not just proclaiming uh, the the future events of, of Christ coming, of course, because those things have already come. But in this case, you know, this is one of many who are obviously being led by the Spirit, because we're told that right here, that he oh. was being led by the Spirit, uh, to proclaim this great famine. And for historic sake, we're told that it was taking place in the days of, of Claudius. So um, this is sort of the beginning of a lot of Paul's efforts to raise up uh, funds for the church in Jerusalem and other places, uh, but the, and that's sort of kind of where we ended it. Anything about that before we move into twelve? 
Well, I, I think one thing we should probably note, because it relates to what we're going to be talking about, is, is people are spreading out. Uh, originally, everyone was hanging tight in Jerusalem. And then, of course, you got the, the stoning of Stephen and the persecution is increasing. Uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the missionaries are going out. Uh, Christians are being formed in other places. Antioch now. Wow, isn't that amazing? It's not just the church in Jerusalem. But I think what's happening to this point is some of the people are now coming back to Jerusalem. Uh, they're coming back, bringing aid, uh, coming back because this is the mother church and, and, and they need help. And, and that, of course, is going to give Herod some opportunities to do some things that maybe he couldn't do before, simply because some of the key leaders of Christianity were no longer there at Jerusalem. Right. So, um, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's keep on going, though, uh, starting with chapter 12. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made by uh, made to God by the church. All right, let's pause there at the end of verse five. So uh, King Herod, right, uh, Agrippa the um, first, he is really, I guess, directing a lot of his uh, attacks on the apostles and on the uh, on the Christians there. Right, and and, and so the the uh, as I said, the commentaries I read suggested that. The reason he could do this is is now one of the apostles, James, had, had was back in Jerusalem, and so he he captured him uh, and, and executed him, uh, uh, probably with a sword. So cut his head off. Uh, that's the way Herods do it. You know what? That's how his uh, uncle dealt with John the Baptist. He had his head cut off. So probably the same thing with James. Uh, his granddad, of course, was the one that tried to kill Jesus uh, back or in the days of Bethlehem. Um, I want to I want to share a thought with you, and and and, and Pastor Boo, I really trust you, and so if, if I'm off here, if I'm wrong, because it's kind of a controversial opinion, I, I would appreciate your comment. I really would. I mean that sincerely. But I, I thought it was interesting that that Herod did this. Uh, he killed James, uh, and then he arrests Peter because he saw that it pleased the Jews. Um, now Herod is not a Jew. Uh, he's ruling over a Jewish city, though the city of Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, see, this is what politicians understand. Even even if you're a, a dictator, even if you're a king, uh, you really want to try to please the people who are in power, the people who are in control. That's how it works. Of course, in democracy, that's built into the system that politicians have to please the people so they can get elected, they can be voted on. Um, I often have Christian people come up to me and, and, and talk as if, if we can just get the right laws passed, because, you know, there's this great cultural war going on in our country right now. I don't think anyone would deny that. And if we can only get the right laws passed, or if we can only get the right people elected, or we can only get the right Supreme Court justices, it'll be an end and, and all of this struggle and cultural war will be finished and Christians will be back where they were before, where we were kind of the, the prominent uh, uh, group uh, within the United States. But I, I frankly think that that is naive because <laughs> politicians don't, I, I'm not saying there aren't good, fine Christians 
And in fact, that's what we need. Let's have more really good believing Christians serving in government. That that would be a great thing to do. But but politicians in themselves don't care about Christianity one way or the other. They're just like Herod. They're trying to please uh, the people. And so at one point, when, when we were primarily a, a, a nation of culturally Christians, I don't think we really have any less believers today than we had, say, in the 50s or the 60s. It, it just was culturally appropriate. If you wanted to have uh, a lot of support, a lot of friends, if you, you wanted your business to succeed, if you, you were a doctor and you wanted a lot of clientele, well, of course, you'd go to church because people are checking that out. Um, but now, of course, we're not the, the prominent group anymore and getting less and less as things go. And, and so I don't see that there's any hope in, in the politicians. Uh, in fact, the Bible told us that, put not your trust in princes. Uh, but I, here, here's the thing. Three things the Bible clearly teaches. Number one, whoever the leader is, we're supposed to honor and respect and obey them. Okay? Because there is no authority except that established by God. So it doesn't matter whether you call them Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian. If they're in the position of leadership, we should honor and respect them. Number two, however, as you've already seen in, in this uh, book of Acts, if they ask you to do something contrary to the word of God, well, you have to say, well, I, I mean no disrespect, but I have to obey God rather than man. I'm sure you've talked about that a couple of times in your, your studies here. And, and then the third thing I think we're going to see emphasized in this text again, when we get to the final verse, uh, the thing that the church has to consistently do is keep talking about Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world, about God the Father, who loves all men and wants all men to be saved. Uh, that that's if, if you want to have a Christian nation, you don't get it through politics, through laws, through government. You make Christians. That's how you do it. You get a lot of Christians. That's how you make a Christian nation. And the only way you can make Christians is not by force or power. Uh, the only way you can do it is through the word of, of Jesus Christ. So am I off base with that, Pastor Boer? What do you think? <laughs> well, I certainly agree with you in the sense uh, that we have uh, a society that no longer uh, favors Christianity, whereas maybe 50 years ago, 60 years ago, we did. And I also completely concur with you and have uh, talked about it at length, the idea that when it's culturally appropriate to be associated with Christianity, many people were who perhaps weren't exactly Christian. Maybe they weren't believers at all. Um, I, I, I've seen people uh, talk about how they take their kids to church because it makes pretty well-rounded for uh, uh, citizens, good morals, but they don't necessarily believe. And, and that was going on in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. So, so you can imagine back in the 50s and 60s, when it's culturally appropriate that you're a Christian, that the, the churches are going to be full. So I agree with you. I think as the churches reduce in size over time, I've always compared it. My favorite comparison is to that of a, uh, that of a sauce. You know, when you reduce a sauce on the stove, you, you boil off the water and what remains is the more, the more potent uh, the leftovers, right? The more potent sauces is what you end up at the end. And I think that's where we're at now. The people who are at church are fewer in number, but more potent uh, because uh, they are bucking the system rather than just going along with it. And and I think that relates a little bit to, to Herod. Now, now, for those who are confused, Herod the Great, who ruled uh, as king of Judea, that's the grandfather of Agrippa here. Um, the whole Herodian family practiced Judaism, 
and identified as Jewish, but they were uh, really of mixed uh, background. So they're culturally and religiously Jewish, but their family's lineage is mixed. But even that, as uh, as you were talking about, uh, brother, even that sort of Jewishness is really just because that's the people over whom he's ruling. So he's he's trying to associate with them. How how faithful he was to that religion would be difficult for us to to measure. But but the truth is, yes, uh, I think we see uh, government officials are more concerned about being reelected. I think that's a natural thing. They, they, they work very hard. They spend a lot of money to become elected. And then when they go to work, they have to spend a considerable amount of time away from the job that they've been elected to do to try to get elected again. And so as a result, um, they tend to be people pleasers. And while it'd be hard to argue that any of the various men named Herod who were rulers of Judea were people pleasers, they certainly were concerned about their own image and keeping power. And so, yes, I see that today. I see that as Christianity becomes less and less in favor, that um, more and more we're not going to reap the benefits of government being on our side because, well, it's not it's not politically profitable for them to do so. And that's something we have to, I think, learn to contend with. I, I want to pick up one thing you, you talked there about, about the people who would bring their kids to church because they thought, well, that that's a good thing. You know, we we need them to be good moral kids, but but we don't actually believe in any of that Jesus stuff. We don't go ourselves, um, because here, here's here's the neat thing though. See see, God loves those people too, because because we had a fella in church, and and that's exactly the story he told me, which, which amazed me that someone would actually admit that. But that's what he told me. He said, yeah, Pastor, when I was younger, we we were very active in the church because our kids our kids were involved. But once the kids got out of church, I didn't really see much sense in it anymore. So no, I have right. uh, I haven't come to church in years and everything. So okay, well, all right. Thank you for being honest with me. At least I, now I know why you don't show up on a Sunday morning, even though you're on the church rolls. But then later on, when when that fella when that fella got ill and when he got cancer, and and I I went to minister him too because you know Pastor Boo, that's a, that's what we do. We minister we to do. people. We don't say, oh well, you're worthy of that or you're not worthy of that. And it was amazing in, in, in that last uh, year or two that he had. All of a sudden, he became a very, very fervent Christian again. Um, so, I, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. I, even as I, I, we both agree with it, yeah, I, I think the church is actually better off now than it was when I was a younger man. Because I think the people that are there are there now because they want to, not because there's some kind of cultural compulsion to do so. But but at the same time, I, I just have to keep remembering, you know, God, God loves all these people. And you just don't know what he's going to do. And sometimes the people who have been inactive their whole life, all of a sudden, as they get older, they become shut-ins or whatever. Then all of a sudden, yeah, then it does mean something to them. Uh, and all of a sudden, they do want to hear the Word of God. And they, they want to take the sacrament. That's what always impresses me. They they want to take that uh, uh, body and blood, that bread and that wine for for the forgiveness of their sins. Well, anyway, I, when you mentioned that, I, thought, I, I, I know a fellow like that, and what a great blessing mm -hmm. that God didn't give up on him. Well, and I and think that's a, uh, we, right, and that's a yeah. tares and uh, wheat kind of argument. We don't try to go through the church and read people's hearts and, you know, kick out the people we think are hypocrites, although we are assured that there are hypocrites among us. Um, we don't know how God's going to work in that person's life by 
being exposed to the word, regardless of their motivations for being there. If they're exposed to the word, um, then it very well, like in this case, may come in handy when he faces his end. And and thank you, because again, I think that's the point of the text when we get to the last verse. We just have to keep doing what you and I are doing right now, what Cavio does, which is just keep getting this message about a God who loves people, he forgives people, he dies for people. Um, yeah. Uh, one more thing, a couple of things here, actually. I, I do think you can see this whole business about the the uh, rulers taking counsel against the Lord, the nations raging. Uh, of course, earlier, you know, the apostles were arrested and they just walked out of jail. And you can see King Herod say, they ain't going to happen here. <laughs> right. And Peter ain't going to walk out on me. Boy, I got four squads of soldiers. Four squads. Yeah. Yeah. And as we'll see, we put him in the deepest, darkest part of the dungeon we can. He's going to have to have a whole bunch of doors he's going to have to go through before he gets out. I'm not going to make the mistake those Jewish leaders made when they arrested the apostles. And, and again, I'm thinking... God is just laughing at that. <laughs> really? You think your four squads of soldiers are going to keep me from doing what I want to do? Um, and then, of course, the final thing is is this this earnest prayer being made. And, and, and one of the things I want to talk about, Pastor Boo, before we're done, is what does it mean to pray with earnestness? What is that really about? Because uh, I think for a lot of people, uh, it, it's that whole thing from James, right? Let him ask in faith with no doubting. And what people mean by that is that, well, you better really believe that what you're praying for, God's going to do, you know, because if you don't really believe that what you're asking for, God's going to do, well, then he'll never do it. Uh, and I would argue that's not at all what what, what an earnest, faithful prayer is about. Because right. um, these guys are praying earnestly, but they have no idea whether Peter's going to get released or not, because uh, James didn't get released. Stephen didn't get released. Uh, there's no guarantee that Peter's going to get released. Um, the one thing I just stumbled across before we started the show is the word for earnest here. Uh, usually in, in secular Greek language is a word used uh, for people who, who do loving and caring things for other people. Uh, it's used consistently, uh, not about prayer, uh, but about love. And even the Bible uses it this way. Uh, Peter in his letter talks about us having a, a sincere brotherly love, uh, loving one another earnestly from a pure heart. And again, he says, uh, love one another earnestly. And it's the same word we have here, because I think that's part of the earnestness that they're, they're praying for Peter because they really love Peter. And they are really sad that they've lost James and they've lost Stephen. And Lord, we don't want to lose Peter too. You know, we understand that we're going to be persecuted. You told us that. And in fact, well, you, you said that Peter would be martyred. You, you said that, uh, but, but we don't please the oh Lord. So, yeah, I, I think that's a big part about the, 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 the earnestness of prayer is that we really love and are concerned and compassionate about the people we're praying for. Well, anyway, that's something that just crossed my desk as I was fiddling around waiting to call you. So. Well, this is the uh, third time that Peter has been put into prison in the book of yeah. Acts that we know about. Um, and I think that is also striking to us because we have to remember that the early Christian church, and I guess Christianity in general throughout history, hasn't been favored by the government. What we experienced in America 50, 60, 70 years ago was very unique to, to uh, I guess, to our experience. And, and it's, it's, it's happened, of course, throughout history, but it ebbs and flows. And 
So, you know, you think about, well, you know, I want to be a faithful disciple of Jesus. Well, that's great. But just know that even his apostles were persecuted, ended up in jail, ended up having to, uh, um, to proclaim to, to people who were ready to harm them in many ways. And so Peter is kept in prison, and this earnest prayer for him, and the Greek word there too, I think, can also be translated diligent, right? So like a diligent yes. prayer. This isn't just, well, we better put Peter on the prayer list. He's in jail. But this is <laughs> this is people saying, hurry, come to come together. Let's let's head to someone's house, or in our case, let's go to the church and let's pray and let's be in prayer. And and we're very worried about Peter. Um, th- yeah, so I think that's the connotation of earnest and diligence and and everything there. We're, we're just saying, hey, look, look, you know, we really want the Lord to hear our petition for Peter. I, I, I almost see it almost even also as a spontaneous thing, not in the sense that everybody everywhere just sort of suddenly started praying, but that this happened, and so the, the first thing they thought to do was pray. And how often is that not, how often is that the last thing for us to think to do <laughs> is pray? Or we say, oh, sure, I'll put you on the prayer list, but we never come back to them. Or we read their name quickly in the middle of the church service. But no, this is people who are desperately praying for Peter. And, and well, we're going to see that God hears those prayers. So, so here's what my dictionary says, without respite, without letting up, assiduously, with fervor, urgently. Yeah, yeah. So you're, I, I love that, Pastor Bruno. I, I put him on the prayer. No, no. We are really, we, we do not want to lose Peter. We've already lost two people that are very, very important to us. Oh, Lord, please, please, whatever you do, do not take Peter away from us. And, 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 and actually, I guess if you, were, if you were thinking about the prophecy, uh, that that Jesus had said. Jesus said, you know, you're you're gonna stretch out your arms and you're gonna be taken where you don't want to be taken. Yeah. So pretty much you're you're that's how you're gonna die. That's what the text says. But I, I guess maybe we should have found some comfort in that because Herod doesn't execute or, or crucify people. So his preferred means of execution is to cut their heads off. So maybe we should be thinking, well, well, yeah, he's going to be martyred, but yeah, probably not this time, because <laughs> uh, no, he's not going to get his head chopped off. That's not what the Lord Jesus said. But but whatever, uh, you're right. They are very very concerned, and they're praying with earnestness. And, and in just a few moments, we'll see. It wasn't because their prayers not answered because they knew for sure that that God was going to deliver Peter. They don't know that for sure. But there's something else that's important about their prayer. But we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, our listeners will recall in the well, the very last chapter that the apostles were arrested and freed miraculously, Peter being among them. And so it makes sense that he's going to have such careful and close guards. Let's read 6 and following. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought that he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. 
it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out, and they went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Pausing there at the end of verse 11. So Herod's got him chained between two soldiers. He's got sentries at the door. And suddenly an angel of the Lord smacks Peter awake. <laughs> says, get up, let's go. <laughs> I, uh, I love how Peter basically says, I was pretty sure this was a dream. This was, this was wild, right? He, he's just like, I didn't even, he didn't even know what was happening to him was real. Um, but I don't know. He was already miraculously uh, rescued before. Maybe he was, maybe he felt like, you know what? I already got my first pass. There's no way the Lord's <laughs> going to rescue me now. Um, I keep getting myself in trouble. The Lord's not going to come save me now. And, and, and just that alone, extrapolating a little bit from that concept how many times do we get ourselves in trouble, uh, hopefully for the gospel's sake, like Peter, but even when it's not, and yet we think the Lord's not going to rescue us this time. He's already bailed us out. There's no way he's going to bail us out again, literally in this case. And and yet the Lord is faithful. The Lord comes and he saves Peter. So so so, so here's the tension, Pastor Boo, because I've, I've actually been delivered once already myself. I had a, had a major heart attack. Uh, in fact, as I'm going in the ambulance to the hospital, the, the the attendant, which I'm thinking, I'm not sure this was a smart thing to say. Oh, you have what we call the widow maker. <laughs> I think, oh, well, Ooh. thanks. <laughs> I'm glad to know that. <laughs> and when you get to the hospital and they immediately, they immediately rush you into the cath lab. And, and they said, we have to do surgery on you right away tomorrow. And that's a Sunday morning, you know. Uh, but, but see, I, I know I'm a sinner and the wages of sin is death. So yeah, sooner or later, I, I'm not going to get delivered. I just know that. And that's okay. See, that's actually going to be a great day because then all these things I worry about and all these struggles I have, they will come to an end. Although I feel sad for my family because I think that'll probably be a very, very sad day for them. But, but you're right. Uh, you're right. Peter doesn't know how this is all going to work out. The people who are praying earnestly don't know how it's all going to work out. Um, what what I think is interesting is what is this deal? What is this deal with God waiting until the last minute? Because <laughs> that's the picture, isn't it? Uh, Herod's got this great plan, man. If you're a politician, this is because we're going to take the very same day that Jesus was crucified, and we're going to kill Peter. We're going to show you Christians who's in charge here, right? <laughs> yeah, we killed Jesus. We're going to kill Peter. And then at the last moment, right, that the night before he's to be executed, then God sets him free. I'm thinking, Lord, couldn't you have done that a week ago <laughs> or, or whenever? I don't know how long he was in prison, but you think he could have done that a lot sooner. Uh, but Lenski makes a really good point that that he felt that, that, that God does that. So we'll remember this is God who's 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 delivering us. See, see if I if I if I contacted the doctor earlier before I'd had the massive heart attack, and I went in and they gave me medicine, and I probably would have thought, well, man, I'm a pretty smart guy. I went there and got that stuff checked out. And by the way, anybody listen to us? If you're having any pains at all, you know you got any. Do you go to the doctor? You go to the doctor right now. Don't be dumb like me and wait until you actually have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, you're not recommending uh, <laughs> that you put the Lord to the test or anything. But no, I understand absolutely. what you're saying. I understand but, but what you're I saying. Was, right. That was a good insight. So maybe God does let things get to to a situation where we can't solve them, 
so that when we when when the resolution comes, oh, oh, that wasn't me, that wasn't doctors, that was the Lord, that was the Lord who who delivered us. He gives us enough time to exhaust all of our efforts so that we yeah. know that it wasn't by our own efforts, especially in Peter's case. And I think another way to look at it too is I think Peter could have very well at that point been thinking, you know, I'm I'm kind of, and again, we're just speculating, let's be honest, folks, yeah. but maybe he's thinking, you know, I'm just, I'm just done. I'm done. He's, he's yeah. been in jail twice. He's been at the, uh, the mercy of all kinds of other things. And yet the Lord is there, you know, cause it does say he, he shines this, this light shone, but then he strikes him to wake up. I don't know how much to read <laughs> into that, but then he wakes up and just the fetters just fall off of his arms and, it must have been very dreamlike for Peter. And then suddenly to be left alone out in the street and he's looking around, he comes to himself and he realizes, wow, yeah, the Lord has, uh, the Lord has freed me. Well, I'll tell you what, we're a little bit over our time. So let's take a okay. break, folks. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, Pastor Lukomsky and I will keep on going through Acts chapter 12. We'll see you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, folks, to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me this morning is the Reverend John Lukomsky, Pastor Emeritus uh, and co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, also on KFUO Radio. And friends, whether you're tuning in over the airwaves or catching up via our podcast, maybe you're streaming on KFUO or you're using that KFUO radio app. However you're here this morning, I'm just glad that you've joined us. And if you have thoughts or questions about the show, you can reach me at PastorBoo at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, also, be sure if you write to tell me how you listen to the program and where you're where you're writing from. All right, Pastor Lukomsky, back into the text. Here we are. Um, uh, quite a bit to go here. Let's uh, let's take a look. I'm opening. I changed the screens here. All right, here we go. So, yeah, Peter is rescued. Uh, the fetters, the chains have fallen off. Um, and uh, now we have him uh, recognizing that. It says, I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Um, what were the Jewish people expecting, Pastor? I mean, not as if we well, don't know, but isn't it interesting? 
Yeah, well, obviously they were expecting just what happened. Uh, you know, James James got killed, and, and, and you know what? We we didn't get to talk about this, and I don't really know what to say. Isn't it isn't it strange that we have this uh, first apostle who's martyred, and, and yet that's all Luke says. It it just happened. It came and went, and there's no detail given about what happened at that story. Uh, uh, and now, of course, everyone anticipates that. Peter will also be executed. You know, maybe there was a little bit of because before they got they got they got away. They twice, you know, they had been imprisoned and and one time they were they were released by the leaders. Another time they just walk out. But but as, as you said, well, maybe maybe this is it now. Not going to happen the third time around. But 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 it does. I I think the thing that I, I is so striking about it, that Peter himself thinks it's a vision. It's a dream. He he can't really believe that he's getting out. In fact, like you said, it's only later that oh, well, the Lord actually has delivered me yet another time. Wow, that's remarkable. But what I think is so important about that, if you're a secularist and, and you're hearing this story, you're thinking, oh yeah, yeah, that's another one of those Christian fairy tales. You know, like like Jesus feeding the five thousand. Have you heard that story? <laughs> Can you believe that that people actually think that he multiplied fish and loaves and fed five thousand men? Because that's what the seculars would say, and the seculars right. would say, "Well, it's because these people were ignorant." You know what I'm saying? These people don't know science; they don't have the knowledge we have, and so yeah, they would make up stories like this. You know, these fairy tales. But you see, here's what tickles me: nobody in this story believes it either. Even the guy that's getting freed doesn't believe it. He he thinks it's a dream. These these people know how things work. They're not stupid. You know, they may not know all the details that we know, but they know physics. They know science. They know the rules of nature. They know that iron doors don't simply open up by themselves. Uh, and fairy tales, things like that happen, and, and no one blinks an eye, right? A, a pumpkin turns into a carriage. Uh, rats are all of a sudden white stallions, and no one blinks an eye at that. Well, of course, you know, it's magic. but And we're going to see it again as we talk about the disciples uh, who are waiting to Mary's house. They they can't believe it either. So So to me, that says, yeah, this is real. This is true. This is what happens when you write a real history. Things happen that seem just absolutely remarkable. And that is because they are, because there are miracles, okay? And miracles are happening all the time. Uh, and, and it's not because these people are ignorant of how science and nature works. No, they are quite well aware how these things work. And they're just as astounded as we are at these stories. So I wanted to share that thought. Well, you know, and again, we may be better able to, in very technical language that we invented, describe the way the world works. I think we have to admit that the people of that time were in nature, in the world, yeah. uh, a lot more than we are, who who find most of our knowledge coming from from books and computers. There they are. They know how things work because they have to deal in, well, if I can say it, the real world all the yeah. time. And Peter just coming off his vision of the sheet that descended and some other visions, you know, it, it makes sense that he thought this was another vision, but once he saw that it wasn't, um, he said that he was, you know, he knew that he was rescued by God, by this angel. And I think it's worth noting, though, that when he does say that he was delivered from all that the Jewish people were expecting, he's not saying, like, Jews as opposed to Gentiles, non-Jewish people, yeah, but no. specifically those Jews who had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. 
I, the language isn't always very uh, specific. Uh, maybe that's not the right word, but still, it, it, it's used broadly, and we have to make sure we know what we're talking about. So he's not anti-Semitic or anything like that. He's just talking about the Jews. The, the Gentiles, for the most part, didn't really care about Christians, except the ones who became Christians, because that was like a, a Jewish schism. That was a Jewish thing going on. They had their own lives and pantheon of gods if they believed in them to worry about. Um, so, yeah, when he says Jewish people, he's just talking about those who rejected. So uh, anything else before we go into the next part? Because well, well, the next part yeah, yeah, is kind of wild. And, and, and just following up on that, too, remember all the Christians were Jews at this point. <laughs> okay? So the right, believers right, there in the city of Jerusalem, they, they were all Jewish people. And, of course, that's another thing they're going to have to sort out. Well, how much of the Jewish traditions do we need to continue? And and that'll be an ongoing issue for the church. And, and you know, the other thing, too, when you brought up the Gentiles, of course, the Gentiles will persecute Christians too, right? The Roman Empire will have numerous times where they they try to wipe out Christianity. So you're right. We shouldn't associate this with any particular ethnic group. It's just the fact that, that, that the devil hates the fact that God loves and forgives. And he does everything he can and uses every sinful resource he can, including people, to try to put an end to that. And again, as we heard in Psalm 2, the Lord just laughs. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, you got, oh, man, what a great idea to have him chained to two soldiers. How could he possibly get away chained <laughs> to two soldiers? You've got this massive iron door that takes probably a half dozen people to open. How could he possibly get out? Well, yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, and, and what's cool now is, is see, because this is how it is. The Lord does, does these miraculous things. And he says, okay, now you're on your own. Well, you're not really on your own, are you? Pastor Boo, but now we need to do the things that we need to do, and that's what happens in the next verses. Uh, Peter, now understanding that the Lord has delivered him, well, okay, I, I, where do I go from here? Um, so I think that's important, too, because, see, that's the ditch mm -hmm. on the other side. Oh, well, we don't need to do anything. We'll just sit back and pray, and God will, will deliver us. Well, yeah, that's true, but if there's something that God wants you to do, right. <laughs> then you probably should do that, <laughs> as you said earlier. That's tempting the Lord when the Lord gives you a... So if I had refused to go to the doctor, if I had said... And, you know, I almost did, Pastor Boo. That night I almost said, oh, I think I'll be all right. <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, I'll be feeling better. And then something happened. I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit. And I said to my wife, I said, maybe you better call the ambulance. So, uh, yeah. Now, brother, how long God... ago did this happen? Oh, it's three years now. It's wow. three years. But you're recovered yeah, now, yeah. I hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, except seeing after three years, now you, you start getting worried again because they give you five years after you've oh. had a heart bypass. They, they say that the, the valves they use to revive, not the valves, the veins will yeah. last for about five years. So now I'm getting on the other side of it. Oh, now I... Yeah. Well, anyway. Well, that's anyway, yeah, I'm story. fascinated by this now. I could ask you all the questions about that, but <laughs> let me let me move into yeah. uh, verse 12. Uh, when he realized this, Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she didn't open the gate, but she ran in and reported that Peter <laughs> was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, oh, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. 
And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Okay, pausing there. First of all, we all love it that Rhoda just is so excited she leaves Peter at the door. Uh, But what, and we're going to get to it, of course, too. But then they dismiss her by saying it's his angel. And I'm sure we're going to talk about what that might mean, but it's his angel. Like, that's not as exciting. Even if it was just his angel, (laughs) wouldn't you still want to go and see that? But but anyway, we, we love this, just the servant girl named Rhoda. We don't know how old she is, but but she's obviously among those who are praying. And when she goes and she grabs the door, cause that's her job. She, uh, she's like, Oh, it's Peter. And she's so excited, but she leaves him on the other side. And I could just see Peter like, okay, the Lord, the Lord got me out of a, a super max prison, but can't get me through this door yet. Uh, or these people won't let me in, but anyway, they're going to let him in in a minute or they did, I guess. And they were so excited, but still love this narrative. One of my favorites. Yeah, because it's just, and you know, Luke must have had fun recording this, because like you say, we've just had the iron gate swing wide open for him, and now we've got this door, and and they won't open that gate. We have them praying, (laughs) praying. We know they're praying earnestly, and now their prayers are answered, and they don't believe it. (laughs) They don't believe it. Yeah, it's like, hey, your prayers have been answered, and you're like, nah, (laughs) it's just his angel. (laughs) So so, so the, the thing is, though, see, I think that's so important. Because there are all those people that teach that your prayers are only answered when you really, really, really believe they'll be answered. But these people don't believe their prayers will be answered. Even when they find their prayers answered, they're still struggling with that. Because that's not what the Bible means when it says, I, I don't have doubt. Don't don't ask with, with doubt. No, no. The faith that is called for in a prayer is the faith that we have a God of love who forgives us and who always always treats us with compassion and with mercy. That's what you got to know. Now, sometimes that means he will give you exactly what you prayed for. In fact, that's what he says. Call upon me in the day of trouble. He wants to know what the desire of our heart is. And sometimes he will do that for us. But sometimes he won't. Because actually what you're praying for is probably not what's best for you or best for the other person. Maybe like you said, maybe it is time for Peter to be taken to heaven because Peter's worked hard and there's other tragedies that lie ahead that Peter doesn't need to see, he doesn't need to suffer. So that could have been what the plan of God was, see? But but it's not about believing that whatever you're asking for is going to be done. That's not what faith is. Faith is believing that we have a God of love and compassion, a God who would forgive us all of our sins and trusting then that whatever answer he does give us, it can't be any better than that. It can't be any better. That'll all be for our good. And that's what we're witnessing here. Um, the angel bit, how, how do you take the, uh, mm-hmm. most of the commentaries I read wanted to say that, that um, there was this belief that everyone has a guardian angel right. and that for some reason your guardian angel would look like you or sound like you. Um, my, 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 honestly, my first thought was, it's just like people say today, oh, there are angels in heaven. When of course, no, you don't die and become an angel in heaven. (laughs) Okay. We got plenty of angels. We don't need any more angels in heaven. Uh, we, we die and we know that we will be bodily resurrected from the dead. That's what the Bible teaches. But I don't know. I I, I just, I, I, what do you think? What do you think, Pastor Boo? 
Well, I do know that interpretations vary, and it's uh, it's dubious. Um, you know, the Greek word used here for angel is, in fact, uh, angelos, which everybody's yep. like, okay, duh, that makes sense. The reason I bring that up, though, is because there's another Greek word, phantasma, which is the word used for, like, a ghost, a typical Greek word yep. for ghost. Um, so those scholars who suggest that, well, maybe they thought it was his ghost— I don't know, um, but I don't think so because I think um, they would have said phantasma, but frankly. Uh, with that said, um, then we also have this idea of maybe it's the guardian angel. I've heard that explanation before. I think it's important to remember that the Bible is very unclear on what guardian angels may or may not be, if everyone has one, uh, if certainly not. But so we have to remember that when, 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 Luke is recording the events. That's exactly what he's doing, recording the events. That includes things like people thinking Jesus is a ghost or people thinking this was his angel. So while we may not be completely aware of all of their own superstitions and preconceived notions, it doesn't mean that the Bible is saying that it was his angel and we have to somehow figure out what that is. It's just telling us that they said they thought it was his angel. Angelos as in messenger? Well, probably not. Uh, Angelos as in guardian angel? Maybe. Ghost? Eh, maybe, but probably not. I think the I think what we we don't know. That's what I say. Uh, as a good Lutheran, I'll just say I have no clue. But but I will say that the ultimate message is the reason why they don't believe it is because they just genuinely didn't expect God to answer their prayers so readily and miraculously. So it had to be because you know our feeble human natures want to even deny God's uh, gifts of the things that we ask for. I think they just naturally were like, it has to be something else. It's his angel. It's his angel. But as I said earlier, whether that meant guardian angel or ghost or even messenger, I don't understand why they didn't want to jump up and go answer whoever that was. <laughs> I mean, because that seems more miraculous than it being Peter, because Peter's alive and he's in jail, but Technically, he could get out, but I guess they were so convinced that, not that they weren't praying earnestly, because we know they were, but I think they were just so convinced that that this was the end for Peter. So, like us, they were praying, Lord, this is what we want, but of course, thy will be done. And I think they had probably concluded that God's will was probably for Peter to die. And the fact that he didn't and was released was just hard for them to accept at the beginning. So, so see what I love about that detail is it it it, it verifies that we're dealing with history here, that this is a true story. Because if I'm making up a story, when I'm going to have them say, "Oh, it is the Lord has delivered Peter," quick, open the gate. We know God because we prayed, and God now has answered our prayer. See, that's well. If I was making up a story, I'd want to teach you about how these people have such an incredible faith that whatever they ask God's. But no, no. So, so now they turn what you use the word superstition. So we don't know exactly what it meant, but it probably had something to do with some superstition. <laughs> okay, that's that's where their mind immediately goes to, to to superstition. It doesn't immediately go to that maybe God could actually free a guy from the depths of Herod's dungeons. No, they don't expect that. But again, see that testifies to the fact that this is a miracle. This is a wonder. This is what God does. You know. Uh, uh, and, and uh, yeah, um, and then of course they realize that it is the truth. 
you know, and, and, and I think that's the way it is for us. We have doubts sometimes. And, and, and again, if, if, if that nullifies our prayers, that as we pray, there's something in the back of our mind saying, well, maybe God won't do that. Then I don't know that any of my prayers will be answered. But, but I think we pray and, and we, in the flesh, we have our doubts, we, we, we have questions. And yet there's also this new creature, this new thing that God has given us through his word that, and yet I know God's going to do something good. He's going to do something good. It may not be exactly what I've asked for, uh, and it may be better than what I asked for. You know, it's crazy. I, I hate to keep going back to my heart attack, but, but I, I wasn't frightened. I wasn't frightened at all. When they said, oh, man, we got to get the crew in here tomorrow morning, bright and early to do the surgery. And you know what's remarkable about that, Pastor Boo, is because I am a big, scary cat. I am. I am constantly <laughs> worried and frightened of things. But it, it just at that point, I, I just I knew I knew whatever happened it, it was going to be taken care of. And I didn't think about that. I was going to die or anything like that. So I, I'm just trying to say to the people that are listening to us, don't, don't ever let your doubts make you doubt. Okay, you you just confess them to the Lord. You you keep praying to Him, and and the Lord's going to do what's good and right. You can be sure of that. That's the one thing you can be sure of. So, well, that's certainly good advice because we can see that the Lord will work. And and had the Lord decided that this was Peter's time, those Christians would yeah. have, in sorrow, accepted that. Um, but it's just it's just great to see that reaction by them and. And it gives us something to dig into about his angel, but I think you'll agree that that's certainly not the crux of the message, but uh, right. fascin yep. fascinating to look at. Yeah. Uh, finishing up this little section, verse 18 says, Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Uh, elsewhere, when this happens, we see the disciples being, I think it's St. Paul, being a little compassionate toward the the sentries who, you know, the, the jailer who's going to kill himself or other things. Um, it's sad that we see here that these men who really didn't do anything yeah, wrong, no. they were doing their job, but because of the culture in which they live, because of the, the side in which they were taking, essentially, they ended up uh, having an early death because of this. And and I think it would be easy for us to lament over that, but um, we have to keep going because time is quickly running out. In fact, yeah. I think we're just out of time. Um, oh, I, shoot, do wanna, shoot. I do want to mention that Herod died, <laughs> yep. uh, but yep. but uh, we don't really have time to get into it. Uh, the yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't think we do. We just have a couple minutes. So, just uh, last words from you, brother, and I'll make sure tomorrow's guest picks up with the uh, death of Herod. Well, just just real quickly. So, what Psalms two promised happened, right? Herod Herod didn't kiss the son, and he ended up being perishing. It may not happen right away, but sooner or later, those that oppose Jesus will come to an end. But the the key thing is verse twenty four. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Nobody's going to stop that from happening. That's what Jesus said was going to happen. Make disciples of all nations. The word will be preached to the ends of the earth. Those are the commands. Those are the promises. And so that you can be sure of. No matter what the world may do, no matter what politicians may do, no matter what governments may do, nobody's going to stop that gospel from being proclaimed. And that's that's good news for you and me as well, Pastor Boo. So.
It is good news. I love it when our conversation causes us to run out of time. And I'm still thankful, though, for my guest this morning, as always, the Reverend John Lukomsky, Pastor Emeritus, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFU on Saturdays. Check that out. Thanks, Pastor, for being on the show. Thank again. you, Pastor Boo. Friends, tomorrow we're going to keep on going. We'll probably take a little step back just to make sure we get the death of Herod, that text, under our belts. But then we're going to move into chapter 13. Uh, Barnabas and Saul are sent off, and they head up to Cyprus and then Antioch and Pisidia. Um, it'll be a great time. Join us tomorrow as we do that. But until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray. Father, keep us in thy strong word. Thank <laughs> you.